Well, welcome back to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Pastor Brian. Hey. Happy Wednesday, Brian. Happy Wednesday to you, Scott. It's just you and me today. I don't know what it says that I, I had to look at my computer to check. I was like, happy, okay, it's Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just kind of a January thing. <laughs> Dude, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, What I'm, is it? We're halfway through January and I feel like I'm still catching my breath from whatever happened last month. Do you still say happy new year to people? Do you say that at all to anyone? Mm, I did. I, I did, but I don't anymore. I think, What's your well, timeline on that? That's a, that's a good question. I, we're, we're probably right about at it. I think, I think within a week for me. Okay. I think you, it's like, like January 8th. I think it's, you, you, you can't say happy new year. Anymore. I'm not going to make a rule, but so when I opened our service on January 7th with happy new year, uh, you cringed. You no, know, you were right up on the edge though. Uh, hey, the first time you saw everyone in the new year, I had ended this previous service saying, see you next year Okay, that, in that a was... stroke of comedic <laughs> genius that no one's ever thought of before. <laughs> <laughs> so you're How, well within your rights. So uh, the, the the picture of me uh, saying Happy New Year and you cringing uh, sticks in my head. So how how often do do I say something on a Sunday that you cringe? That's what I want to know, Brian. This I don't think I'm about. a good cringe barometer. <laughs> well, that's I know, and we that's, can let which the, is why we can let the listeners actually... figure out which direction that is in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I ask because I think I think you, you I think you cringe more than the average person and I uh, low bar for cringe you know that's that might be uh that might be in the back of my head and I I'm not sure I've ever uh, fully realized it before I'm glad we're doing it with lots of listeners that's right well so so I mean it, I think it fits the um I think it fits the 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 topic because we are just taking a step back after our series. Okay. If it's three, if it's three sermons, can we call it a series? We had this discussion, like Reggie, you know, posited like there's a certain number of sermons required for it to qualify as a series. Mm -hmm. But I would, I mean, if it's, three things on the same topic, it's got to be called something, right? Mm. So series is... It would have been awkward to be like, we're, all right, today we're beginning a triad on the Imago Day. People are like, a what? Yeah, you know, but there... Well, we don't need to do this right now. But there is, <laughs> like, 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 two feels like not a series. Not a series. It's just like a yeah. sequel. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The sermons have sequels. It's a, that's not a good road to go well, down. Well, okay, so we're... So we, we just wrapped up three, three weeks on the Imago Dei and, and, uh, the Imago Dei has been, the image of God has been a topic that we've revisited, um, a few different times in January. Actually, traditionally when we've taught about it, it's been on in the month of January. How, how do you remember how long it's been since we've done since it the like last this? one? Yeah. I mean, the last one I think was 2017. Okay. I okay. Think, something okay. Like that. So it has been a while. Yeah. Um, so it's not like something we do regularly, but we have, I mean, probably at least a handful of times over the last 15 years done something on the image of God in January. Um, yeah, or God's heart for the marginalized. We'll talk mm, about that sometimes. We, we, oh we've, yeah. Yeah. We so, address similar topics, different mm, ways. That's true. Um, in January, I mean, it's not every January, but we have hit it probably more than two or three times in the last, you know, 12 years. So you, you may have talked about this a little bit in the, the first sermon of our, of our mini series. Ooh, a mini series. Mm. Limited like series? Limited series. <laughs> in our mini series. Uh, but why, 
why the Imago Day? Right? Why is why to you is this important for us to to touch on uh, this year at this point? So I think that it's important to touch on regularly for a few different reasons. Um, one reason is because it's a foundational concept um, mm. in scripture for what it means to be a human being. Mm. And so uh, if we want to understand a lot of different issues that go on around us culturally, socially, and not just recently, but over the course of human history, to not have the idea of the Imago Day as something that's up and running and mm. you know uh, conscious to you and something you're aware of and a central piece of your idea of what it means for you to be a human being and other people to be human beings, it's just going to make it that much harder to navigate a world full of humans and all these issues that have to do with what it means to be human. Some mm. people are saying, you know, now that's probably more relevant than ever with different things going on socially and culturally. And that might very well be true, but it's always been relevant to understand what makes a human being a human being and what kind of creatures we are and what that means for how we live and think of ourselves and treat each other. Mm. So one reason is because it's always important. Mm -hmm. One reason that we tend to do it in January is because you have this really intriguing American set of uh, dates that fall in January. One of them is Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Day. Um, and then the, the very following week, every January, is what a lot of Christians have come to call Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so you have these two days, you know, holidays in a sense, um, of awareness and celebration that uh, most people, at least in America, tend to like one a little more than the other. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, I'm saying that carefully. A, I was going to say, that's you know? a very, that's a very nuanced well, because way I think, to say that. Yeah, you know, some people yeah. really are, you know, strongly, but I think most people um, tend to feel more strongly about one of those days. Mm. Um, mm. And, and so the idea that uh, Christianity is the kind of faith that has resources to allow you to embrace both um, really fully is not something that most people think about. And, and, and so to be able to talk about the reason why that's true, which is the image of God mm. every January, allows us to be what I did talk about a bit in that first sermon, which is kind of confusing, mm. um, such that we really can say, yeah, you know, uh, civil rights are important. And we actually have a reason why they're important, mm. which is that every human being is made in the image of God. Also, Human life, whether in utero or in very old age or you know, across the board, mm. is also e extremely valuable and has dignity and worth. And why is that? Well, because of the image of God. Every human being is made of the image of God. Mm. So it becomes a chance to take something people might very well be thinking about already in a culture that's thinking about things like that and tends to pit them as opposites and say, no, we're not really picking a side here so much as we are understanding more deeply than either side, how the image of God actually kind of intersects with both of these issues socially and culturally. So there's a couple of reasons to do it. One general one kind of specific to January. Well, yeah. And, and I, I think it's our culture talks so much about human rights, mm -hmm. right. And the, in a sense, the dignity of life that, uh, we can forget and our, our city can forget, but as a result, we can forget where those come from or how, why we have a actual reason, but that stands behind the dignity of humans, of, of every human and the things that, that matter most, and I think that are most compelling. I, you know, it's interesting to me, I, I think even as we've been talking about it, and I think particularly as you presented it in that first sermon, there's a powerful ap apologetic to this, 
as well in our city. I mean, you, the ways in which we um, recognize the types of things that gutturally, internally are important to all humans um, that really can't, don't find any mooring uh, outside of a creator who has revealed these things about who we are to us. Um, so, okay. One of the other questions that, that might come up, particularly this week, we've, we've done, uh, or this year, we've done this in, uh, at different lengths at different times. Um, why three weeks this year? Why, why, why only three weeks? Why a mini series? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to know how the sausage gets made. Well, I was just going to um, say, I feel like this is a little bit of inside <laughs> baseball, but that's what the podcast is for. You know, we we get, we get to preach on them, but here we get to, you know, talk about how we, uh. Yeah, how we make you these know, decisions. so the, I mean, I think the one of the biggest factors, honestly, was we had three weeks. Um, you know, like, like in the schedule, we had some things planned out. We had three weeks mm-hmm. that were open. This seemed like a really good uh, topic to touch on in those three weeks because they happened to land on the days closest to Martin Luther King Jr. Day mm-hmm. and Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Um, simultaneously, it's been a long time since we talked about these issues, and they haven't gone away. Um, and so they become... Uh, further chances to repeat in some ways things that we've talked about before and update those things we've talked about for, you know, a new, uh, a new moment in time. Um, but simultaneously a lot of new people, I think Mm. if you've been around cornerstone for like five years or seven years or maybe 10 years or more, it's hard to realize, uh, that most people, like the majority of the church, has never heard a series on the Imago Day before. Mm. Uh, at least not not from us. They maybe yeah, they heard yeah. it somewhere else. Um, and so the idea that you, we do regularly need to be repeating things while simultaneously trying to deepen them and and uh, update them. That's one of the reasons we did it as well. Mm. No, I I really appreciate that. I think there's such a a rich opportunity to explain things that again i think for you and i it's easy for us to take for granted that oh yeah we've we've said this we've actually talked about it multiple times but there's a lot of people at our church that that are like well wait i've never actually heard you talk about that big part of how we do sermons in general Mm. you know here like at some level all of uh our philosophy of ministry all that's a that's a fancy term but just the way we do things as a church um the same reason that we tend to do them for English speakers in English and for Spanish speakers in Spanish mm. is the reason why we want to look at the people who are in the room and say, how do we meet the needs of all these diverse people that are in front of us? And to not recognize that so many people come to LA and leave LA um, would be to do a disservice to the way we can love the people in front of us. Mm. So a lot of our sermons, um, Imago Day and a bunch of others, uh, a lot of our equipping, a lot of the way we do things, uh, even in some ways our heavy focus on discipleship communities mm. is a result of the fact that we live here with a transient group of people um, who tend to be drawn to this place for particular reasons. So we want to respect the uniqueness of everyone. We always want to make sure that there are things for people who are rooted in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of people like you and me who aren't moving mm-hmm. um, and are going to be here long, long term. We want to make sure there are things there in everything we do for people who've heard things before, but simultaneously, we don't want to do that to the exclusion of those who are hearing them for the first time. So it's yeah. a, it's a tightrope to walk, but everything we do, I think is focused on loving our neighbor as ourselves and making sure that we've got all of our neighbors in mind as best as we can. Yeah. Okay. So thinking about us coming out of this, this three week series, um, We've addressed a couple of 
topics kind of in, in a pointed way, right? In a way that helps apply this to some of the specific tensions within our culture, within our city. Um, how, how do you hope that people will take the doctrine of the image of God and carry it with them into, uh, I don't know, the different aspects of life and work and the world? Um, it's a pretty big question, but I, I kind of want to leave it broad. But mm-hmm. I, like, what, what are some of the other ways that you hope this will uh, seep into our hearts and shape our hearts towards the heart of God. Yeah. You know, so full disclosure, I don't know if three weeks was the right amount. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, you've listened to the podcast, you know, it's fine. You can hear yeah. that. Like, yeah. but, you know, we don't bat a thousand over here. Like there's ways in which <laughs> I, I do go, Oh, okay. That like, like Matt's, uh, sermon and your sermon are both taking these like really large, broad topics as kind of a means of trying to say, okay, here's this foundational truth about how every human being is made in the image of God, how can we kind of apply that to significant issues around us without making it a incredibly topical sermon on like an issue? Mm. So that's why it's like dividing lines, Mm. you know, and human life. You know, how how do we think about these things? And of course, you're going to have to focus on specific issues. And, you know, Matt did and you did. Mm. Um, But the reason why I wanted to do it that way and with all those pros and cons is because I wanted to show myself and everyone how this foundational conception of the image of God gets applied. And mm-hmm. so the idea is sort of like, here's a couple of ways we can see it applied in these, in these broad arenas. So now you've got a couple of examples. Now, what other examples can you find in which you can carry this out into the world I think one general way Matt mentioned in his sermon, which is simply the conversation he had, you know, with his daughter about like, how do you actually look around at all these people and really think of them as made in the image of God? Mm. You might actually end up loving your neighbor as yourself if you were to actually do that. Mm. Um, And that's the kind of thing that whether you go to work, uh, go to school or driving around like Matt's example, that's one very general but concrete way to, to take this and apply it that will, I think, bear a lot of different uh, fruit in unique configurations as you interact with those specific people in those specific places that you are going to that I might not be going to mm. in you know different relationship contexts and all of that. But I also think there really are a lot of ideas in the world about what makes someone a human being. Mm. Um, yeah. like what does it mean to be human? And a lot of those ideas, uh, and this is something we didn't really have time for in the series, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how it would have turned out if we tried to have time for it, but what it means to be a human being for a lot of people in our city, at least, if not our larger Western world, is uh, I get to choose kind of my own destiny. Mm. I get to make myself. And there's all sorts of philosophers and sociologists we could talk about right now and all the specifics of how they've tried to think about this, but it's not just a Christian idea that that's happening. Everyone is kind of noticing, wow, human beings, like what it means to be human is to kind of free yourself from the constraints of your society and express what's inside of you as best as you determine it to be. Uh, And that's, that's how you flourish as a human being. And to take the image of God really seriously is to find out that no, to be made in the image of God is to be given a purpose from outside of you, not inside of you. Mm. And, and that really changes so many things in terms of social issues that we face, 
But more than that, those are easy and the volume's loud. Mm-hmm. Not easy. Sorry. They're, they're like slit. They're, they're, they're low hanging fruit for podcasts, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for people yeah, yeah. who want to opine about those things. They're yeah. very complicated issues that involve real people. But in terms of like, yeah. you can yell about them very easily, you know, yeah, across yeah. A, a political divide or something like that. Much more personally, I think that's seeped in whatever your opinions are on whatever social issue of the day you happen to be talking about. I think it's seeped into all of us in really, really deep ways, myself very much included, that me fulfilling a potential I determine about myself is how I will find goodness and trueness in my life. Um, My happiness and what it means to really flourish as a human being Mm. is to determine my own destiny and to really like look inside for that and not let anyone else tell me what it is. And if I let someone else tell me what it is, I've sold out my birthright of what it means to be human. Mm. And if I'm made in the image of God, it means that someone else has put his stamp, not just on me, but in me Mm. in a way that that determines my purpose. And like a fish in water, my only freedom will be found. If that's true, like a fish can only swim in water, the only freedom that I will ever really find that can let me flourish is to live in correspondence with that purpose, like his purpose for me. Mm. And if that means imaging God, reflecting him, living like Christ in the world, all of a sudden, a lot of the Bible just comes to bear in terms of what it means to be human, not just what it is saying to me from the outside. Mm. So, you know, lose your life to save it. Take up your cross every day. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those all become not just like these things God happens to say to me, but they become woven into my purpose, like why I was made and what I'm like as a human being, uh, as I'm being redeemed. Mm. And so like, that's just a really different way of understanding what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And the image of God helps you do that. And it also helps you see other people in that light of what they can do in light of what Christ can do in them. Just a lot of really fascinating ways that that touches down personally, socially, culturally. And of course, in all these issues that you and Matt brought up that you didn't get to touch, mm-hmm. you know, there's um, things like uh, uh, medical assistance and dying. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways, the ways we treat other human beings socially mm-hmm. um, as kind of disposable sometimes, all of these things inform us socially, culturally, but also personally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, right? That Jesus takes the ethic, this ethic rooted in the Imago Dei, and really the New Testament does this in powerful ways and says, wait, to hate someone is to murder them internally, right? Because they were created in the image of God, right? To, to speak against, to degrade, even with our, our, our words, um, is something, uh, powerful that, and not insignificant. And I think the way that we, in our world tend to measure those things as well, did it hurt them? How did it affect them? Right. But God says, no, no, there, there's a, there's a morality deeper than that. There's a morality bigger than that. And, and we, we need these foundational pieces, these foundational theological pieces to, um, understand the universe and our world as God has created it. Um, well, hold which, on. Just think about that for a second though. Like, I think I, I find that fascinating that like you think about our world right now that says in the most part, like it's okay if it doesn't hurt someone and it, the way we know it doesn't hurt someone is if they consent. Hmm. And so like, as long as they say it's okay for you to do it, it becomes okay. And that's just, you can see how, yeah. how bad that can get if you play that all the way out just yeah. on a, sh- on a non-religious level entirely. Yeah. 
and you realize, no, the, the, the metric for how to treat other human beings is not what they consent to. It, it, it's not going against their consent, but it's not what they consent. That's, not, that's such a low bar. Mm. But to look at them as made in the image of God, that you're, you can be immoral and unethical towards another human being, even if they said it was fine. Mm. <laughs> and and that's not, that, that doesn't make it okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, if they don't understand their dignity and worth, well, you need to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It makes me think of, of, of two kids and, you know, somebody doing something and you go to correct them and like, Oh no, 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 it's okay. It's, it's okay. It did, you know, it's fine. And you're like, no, 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 it's not okay. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's a standard beyond, uh, you were willing to let them do that to you. Yeah. Um, and, but again, where in the world does that come from? Mm-hmm. Right? How, how else could we possibly have that? So, okay. So, there's a lot to to talk about there. I mean, I hope that even just internally people explore and wrestle through the implications of this. Um, I, I, before we go, I, I want to, to take a step back, maybe talk a little bit more inside baseball because we've talked about how we've been addressing the, the topic of um, the Imago Day over the last three weeks, but I know you don't like it when we call that a topical sermon. <laughs> Yes, that's correct. So how, how do you, I actually, I think this is a really helpful opportunity to, to talk about maybe just to, to shine a little bit of light on, um, how, how we as pastors choose the things to, to preach on and, and the different shapes that expositional preaching takes. Yeah. The, so yeah, you already used a couple of like 50 cent terms in our, like in, you said inside baseball, I think that's probably right. Like the you know, expositional, mm-hmm. um, topical, these are technical terms to some degree uh, that preachers use to describe different ways of, you know, preaching a sermon or constructing a sermon uh, and the way that it's preached as well as kind of the, the resources used um, to preach it. And so you have kind of this, this world where topical sermons uh, typically mean something like, I pick a topic, and then I kind of find some verses from the Bible about that topic, uh, mm. so I can make the points I want to make about that topic. Now, that's, mm. that's unfair to a lot of good topical preaching, but I think a lot of people, that's what they think about yeah. topical preaching. Yeah. Um, I tend to prefer, and I think I, think I took this from Tim Keller, I, he probably didn't originate it, but... He talked about textual preaching, mm. where the idea is like, I, I might uh, have a topic in mind, but that topic arises from and is given voice uh, by a particular text of scripture, not just, uh, you know, the handful of verses that happen to support the point I'm trying to make. And so, you know, I, I think like Matt's example is that where you didn't get to Ephesians 2 until the middle, mm-hmm. but the idea was that the entire sermon revolved around the hostility that can be uh, brought up. And in that verse is between Jews and Gentiles mm. and how going from kind of the greater to the lesser, if that spiritual ethnic hostility that existed kind of on every register uh, between these two groups of people can be overcome by Christ, you know, what dividing line can't be overcome by Christ. Mm. So it's taking that, that passage, getting to the inner logic of it and the truth that it is communicating and then applying that to the lives of people. And so if you think of topical preaching as just kind of pastors saying what they want and trying to find some Bible verses that support it, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm going to bristle a little at that because yeah, yeah. that's not, I, maybe that's not what people are saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
and then you kind of have expositional preaching, which we tend to major on. I mean, we just got out of what I don't think it's even been three months necessarily since we got out of first Corinthians for over a year Yeah, where you just go, you know, verse by verse by verse through a whole book of the Bible and let that set the agenda. Mm -hmm. And so what we've been doing recently, and especially the Imago Day series is saying, okay, um, you are not necessarily going to get a synthetic understanding of the Imago Day in any one book of the Bible. Mm. And yet it is a really important truth that the Bible teaches because yeah. the Bible isn't just multiple books. It's one big book. So there are times we want to go, how do we elucidate or, or uh, clarity, clarify uh, some of those central truths um, across the whole Bible? And we're going to do short series or even longer series that allow us to bring all of what the Bible has to say to bear, but not because we're cherry picking, because yeah. we're trying to get to what the whole Bible has to say as best we can in any yeah. g- given the constraints we have. Yeah. You know, the... It makes me think of the the way that this used to be done, whether it was by the Puritans or by Spurgeon, is that he would have said, you know, read Genesis 1, 26 and 27 the first week, and then the second week, and then yeah. the third week. <laughs> yeah. This would be, this, this is the third sermon on the same text, um, because this is where that text becomes a launching point. And really, this is what we've been doing in, in considering the, the Imago Dei, the image of God, This that sermon be or that passage connects into so many other places in scripture um, that all together show us to, and connect into real life in a various different ways. And so, yeah. And I want to be, um, I want to be cautious because I know personally and it's, you have kind of the kind of sermons that have really affected you deeply, which are typically the kinds you've heard right after you became a Christian or mm. maybe growing up, if you grew up in the church, um, and I, the same way that I want to do that with music, where like sometimes someone just wants to hear that old song they sang, the way it was originally played, not all messed with, no one's adding <laughs> choruses, you know, it, because yeah. it feels like home to them. And, and I get that. Like yeah. th- there are ways that maybe someone uh, just, if they come on a Sunday and they don't hear someone go word by word, line by line through a text, there's like, man, that was just so powerful for me uh, in, in, a, in a moment in my Christian life when I really needed it. Um, it's hard for me not to hear things like that. Like I get that, and, and I, I'm really sympathetic to it. And I hope that we can have at Cornerstone a kind of steady and balanced diet mm. of different kinds of sermons and exposition of text, because I think just as um, never going line by line through a text is really a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't let the Bible set the agenda for what you're thinking about and learning. You're only bringing your questions to the Bible and never letting it shape your questions mm-hmm. and maybe give you different ones that you should be asking Yeah. in the same way to never say, what does the whole Bible say about X, Y, or Z? Uh, and in some ways, never to look at a text and say, underneath the, what this text is saying line by line, it, all those lines are pointing at a deep truth mm. that maybe we should meditate on and spend some of our sermon time, maybe a lot of our sermon time, just uh, taking out, you know, unpacking the treasures inside of that, that meditation, that truth that all these verses are pointing at, that's also a way in which to let God pastor his people through the explaining and applying of his word. Mm. So like, ideally there's a balanced diet here. And I get if sometimes people are like, "Ah, I wish this Sunday was different or this series was different. I'm fine with that. As long as we're all on board with trying to learn what we can from taking God's word really, really seriously in all the different ways it should be taken. Okay. So we've just had this three week 
uh, dose of the Imago Day and of this kind of kind of sermon, this unique kind of sermon. What um, what's next? After this, uh, we've got a series called Knowing Jesus, and we're just going to go through the Gospel of John and take all of the instances where Jesus describes himself mm-hmm. or kind of reveals himself through uh, words. It was one action. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I couldn't prevent myself from preaching the, um, <laughs> uh, the, the wedding, uh, the miracle in the wedding at Cana, water uh-huh. into wine. It's so it's like his first self-revelatory act. Mm. I just really it's it's beautiful. It sets the stage. But everything else we do are things that he says about himself. So we pick all the I am statements and a couple other really important things he says, so that we're going to spend the spring before Easter just letting Jesus tell us who he is. Mm. And I, I I again so here, here's an example where we are going to skip over certain parts of the Gospel of John, not because we don't think they're important, but because we're trying to, in this short amount of time, look at all the times G- John shows us Jesus speaking about who he is mm. and let those really kind of, uh, uh, st- how do you, when you see those together, maybe we can learn a really deep truth that where scripture setting the agenda. Um, and in that way go, we, we wouldn't have learned otherwise, I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I hear you saying for every look at ourselves, we should take two looks at Jesus. That's what I, that's, that's, that's what I, I feel like we're, like we're about the, like, to do. What's the, what's the actual line? Like a thousand? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. 500 looks at Christ. Three? Like that. Are we doing yeah. three, maybe nine weeks? Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to the, um, the opportunity to, it, you know, in considering the image of God in us, consider the uh, image of God revealed in Christ and uh, how that transforms us completely. So anyways, I'm really looking forward to that. Excited for what the Lord has ahead. Um, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for the conversation. Yeah. Nice to be here. Thanks for talking about it. Thanks for, <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks for the work you do to, to shape all of this for us. I think, you know, I, I mean, I know we all provide input and we have a, a preaching team, but I think uh, people may not know too, that, that Brian's the one who shapes that in a, that in an overarching way. Um, and I think we, our church is, is richly served, not just by the content of each individual sermon, but by the, that, that overarching diet. So thanks, well, man. Appreciate the best it. stuff's collaborative. That's, so. that's true. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what I think, but <laughs> if you liked it, it's probably because the team did it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, man. Thanks you all. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we love you and we'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>